I wanted to take just a moment this morning to say a big thank you to everyone who helped decorate this place uh, for Christmas and also who gave to that. We had several people who gave, and many of you may or may not know uh, that these are all new this year because when we redid the place in here, we uh, had to get rid of the older things. And so thank you very much for doing that, and it looks great. Even the biblically incorrect nativity scene out here looks great. You know, y'all caught that, but how many of you are aware that those are biblically incorrect nativity scenes everywhere? Anybody? Okay, see a few of you, and some of you are going like, wow, you thank everybody, and then you punch them in the gut. I picked the nativity scene, so I can call it what I want. So there. Um, But I point that out for a reason. I find it interesting that when you look at nativity scenes, uh, in, in today's world, that many of the ones that we see, you'll notice, you know, you have Jesus, of course, and Mary and Joseph, and then who are the people that they usually have surrounding them? Anyone? Who do they usually have around there? The wise men. They usually have the wise men. And if you're lucky enough to get a shepherd, it's one poor guy sitting over to the side holding a stick, just a shepherd sitting over there in the nativity scene. Now, ours is beautiful as it is, and I love it, and it was my favorite, and I picked it. So doesn't have a shepherd in it. But if you'll look at the story, it's the shepherds who were at the manger. The wise men didn't even show up for years. So it makes a beautiful nativity scene, but it's not necessarily the story. No, that's not it. Well, I'm trying to ruin Christmas for as many people as possible. That's my, no, that's not it. I bring it up for a reason because I think it's very important what we understand and what we know about the shepherds, I think it's incredible. We looked last week at shepherds are keeping watch over their part of the story of the shepherds where the heavenly hosts show up while the shepherds are keeping watch over their flocks by night. And we know that they were terrified that this heavenly host shows up and it tells them the story that the Messiah has been born in the city of David. And, and they are afraid of what's going on. And so what we know from last week is that peace has come to earth. So peace has come, but then now what do we do with that? That's what we need to understand today. Peace has come, but now what? That's your first blank there. And so we need to understand that even though peace has come to earth, we have a decision that we have to make with it. And the reason the shepherds are so important in the story, have you ever thought about that, that In the book of Luke, Luke who takes time to write all these things down of all the things he could have written about, of all the details that he could have given us, we get a nice big section on the shepherds and why in the world is he talking about shepherds and what's their significance and importance in this story. I think it's really interesting for us to look at the shepherds because I believe the shepherds model for us the same response that we should have in our faith with Christ. That at first, when the heavenly host came and declared that the Messiah had born, they were kind of terrified. They were confused. They didn't really know what to do. But if we pick up the story today in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 15, look at what happens after this confusion subsides. It says in verse 15, when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. 
After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and blessed as they had been told. You see, it's, it's incredible to see what happens with the shepherds to go from a moment of terror to a moment of joy. What does that journey look like? To go from fear to one of rejoicing, how do we follow that same journey? I think that we can learn from that. And before I hop in to the story of the shepherds, I do want to point out there's one there's one verse in this story that almost seems like it doesn't fit in this particular story. Up all these things in her heart. And if you'll notice, verse 19 said, But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. You see, it's, it's really important because what you're going to see today is that the same journey that the shepherds get to take that go from fear to joy is a journey that Mary is taking as well, but her journey is at a different pace than the shepherds is. And I think that what we need to understand is that we get to be invited to take a similar journey, but we can't get real focused on what pace that I'm supposed to take it at versus what pace someone else is supposed to take it at. We're all on this journey and hopefully moving from who is this Jesus who people are talking about to an understanding of who he is. And Mary is meditating and looking. And so I just want to say on a side note, perhaps this Christmas season, God's brought you to this place. You Maybe you're visiting church with a friend or maybe it's your first time to be in this place and you don't know how to take it all in. And you're maybe looking a lot like Mary. You're just kind of looking around and taking it all in and pondering these things and wondering what to do with it. That's okay. We invite you to do that. And we hope that this is a safe place for you to take your time to discover that God knows you fully and he loves you fully where you are. And he came and sent peace to this earth so that we could know him and follow him. But I want to encourage us today to be more like these shepherds and to follow this pattern of fear to joy and that they did and that we can experience in our life as well. So it's pretty simple that because Jesus has come to us, there's some things that we should do. And the first thing that we should do, because we know that peace has come to earth, is we have to see for ourselves. That's the very first thing that you should do. You should see for myself. Can I just tell you this real quick? Do not base your faith in God on the words of other people. Don't do it. Now, I'm going to say this. I'm thankful for pastors and preachers and teachers and me all about God. But there is a vast difference between listening to somebody else's stories or hearing somebody else teach and me actually going and seeing it for myself. You see, verse 15 of this passage tells us something very important. When the angels had left the shepherds and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. You see, they had to go see for themselves. Now you can imagine that it would have been just as easy to sit around with all the shepherds and go, that was awesome. Did you see that? Yeah. 
Were you here? Yeah, I mean, that was great. What should we do? I don't know. Let's just hang out here. Let's build a campfire. Let's just go. Well, shouldn't we go see? No, we'll find out about it later. You know, who's going to take care of the sheep if we go? How are we going to get all this stuff done? I didn't pack clothes for that. We can't go. to. Look at me. I am not dressed appropriately to go see the Savior. There's no way I'm going. There's all kinds of excuses that the shepherds could have made at this point in time to not do what they did, but instead there was an urgency about them, and they had to go see this for themselves. I would encourage you to do the same thing. You need to discover that God is who he says he is, that Jesus Christ came so that we can have peace on earth. And let me just tell you something. You're never going to discover that if you're trying to find Jesus through the words of anyone else. You're going to have to go to God's word for yourself. You're going to have to have a relationship with him and know that he is who he says he is. You're going to have to put your eyes on him. You're going to have to be in a place where you can experience it and know it for yourself. That's why it's so important that the shepherds are the ones that we see. You see, we like to put the wise men there because we like to see all the kings and all the people and they're worshiping the Lord But I think the beauty of the shepherds actually going is these were the common people. These were the everyday people. These were the you's and the me's that were there. And these were the ones that God chose to reveal himself to and say, I'm going to give you a word of something that has happened and something that will continue to happen. And you're going to need to act on this. And so this is what's happening. God gives a word to the shepherds, but they didn't just say, okay, I don't know what to do with this. They actually started to go and see for themselves that God is true in what he says. Matthew eleven twenty eight. as Jesus grows out of that manger, becomes a man and begins to teach, he also lives a life in which that we should pattern our life after. He gives us an example to follow and something to shoot for in our life. And this is what he says, come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke. You, when I think that peace and my burden is light. I don't know about you, when I think that peace has come to earth, and I think about the person of Jesus. I go, what does this peace look like? What does this mean? And then I hear him say words like, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come to me and you will find rest. I go, that sounds like peace. If I could find a way in my life to have some, some rest and, and, a, and a lighter yoke on me and, and a way to, to walk life with a few less burdens, that sounds like peace. And so I want to go discover this for myself, and I I want to see what it's like to actually come and know and follow Jesus, and it has to be something that I do for myself. You can't do it for me, and I can't do it for you. And so I encourage you to go and see for yourself. And the most important thing that you need to do as you go to discover who Jesus is is you have to answer the question, who is he? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Jesus. It's really the most important question for us all. What's the big deal about Christmas? Why does everybody make a big deal about Jesus? Who is he? Why did he come? Why is he here? Why should I care about these type of things? You see, the shepherds understood that God was telling them that the Messiah had come, and so they had to go see it for themselves, and then they ultimately had to answer the question, 
Who do I believe that Jesus is? Is he the person that God said he was? Or do I think that this is all a big show and a big hoax or something else? But I had to answer it for myself. Shepherds have to answer it for themselves. And you have to answer it for yourself. Who is Jesus? It's a question that's been happening since the time that he showed up. In Matthew chapter 16, he looks at his disciples and he asks them, this question, he says, it comes to, he came to the region of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah are one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You see that pattern that's happening there? It happened when Jesus was born to the shepherds that had to go and see for themselves who is this Jesus. As Jesus is walking around teaching even his own disciples, he looks at them and he has to ask them the question, who do you say that I am? And I think the question is still valid and important for us today. Who do you say that Jesus is? I have to discover who Jesus is, an idea and a concept of Jesus that makes it difficult for some people to discover who Jesus really is. I think our own experiences and ideas and desires at times get in the way of us discovering who Jesus really is. And the only way that we're truly going to discover it is not through the words of other people, not through somebody's teaching, but for us to go to the word of God with the question, Jesus, who are you? And let him reveal himself to us in our hearts. And then you and only you can answer the question for you, who do you say he is? It's the most important question you'll ever answer in your life. It's the question that the answer to will shape the way that you live the rest of your life. Because if you come to the conclusion, as the shepherds did, that God is telling us the truth, and this Jesus is the Messiah and Savior of the world, if you choose then to follow him, everything in life changes for the better. You will spend the rest of your life saying, okay, I need to do whatever I can to know and to follow him. No excuses anymore, no waiting. There's an urgency and a necessity for me to just follow him. And if you come to a different conclusion, can I just tell you something? You need to do the same thing that they did and go tell everybody else what you found too. And I'm confident enough that as you go and you truly see for yourself who God is, he will reveal himself to you and you'll have no other point, no other opportunity, no other response in life than to do the next thing that the shepherds did, and that is go tell everyone. Go tell everyone. It says in Luke 2, 17 and 18 that after seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So you, you see this. This is the shepherds. This is the importance of this story. God chose to go to the shepherds, the commoners, the people who were working in the fields, the people who, who weren't really supposed to should go and rejoice. So they go with urgency and they see him and they confirm that this is true. And then because they confirmed that this is true, they had no other choice but then to go and tell everyone. Now, I want you to, I want you to follow this pattern real quick. God gives them a word. And then that word inspires them to act. 
And as they act, they begin to go on this journey. Now, this journey for the shepherds, I don't know. I wasn't there long. And go and actually come to the point where they discover that, wow, what God told us there came true at this point in time. And now I need to let people know about this type of thing. But you remember I told you that Mary was on the same type of journey, but her pace was a little bit different. Can you imagine that Mary, a little more than nine months earlier, was told what was going to be happening. And at this point in time, she's on this journey knowing everything that God had told her, which was more than what he had already told the, the shepherds. And the shepherds only had to go a little while to see the answer to this, but Mary's been on this journey for quite a few months now, and she remains on this journey for decades afterwards, seeing this God's word that he gave me way back here ever going to come to its fruition. And she waited decades to see those things happen. But the same pattern is true for them and it can be true for us. God gives us a word which sends us on a journey. And sometimes when we go on that journey, we tend to slow down, we tend to speed up, we tend to doubt sometimes. We, you know, it, it just is hard sometimes to take God at his word and take those steps. But if you will follow God and go see for yourself and confirm who he is, when God gives you that answer to that word that he gave you along the way, you know what happens? You get solidified in your faith. You see that God is who he says he is. You see that he's at work. And then there's no other response that you should have into, I've got to tell people about this. You've got to know that God has told me this was going to happen. And I've been praying for this and I've been walking for this. And today it happened and you've got to know this. And I'll just tell you, it's frustrating to me as a person who's been around church work all his life. It's all I've done is to, to see how we make it so hard sometimes on ourselves. And, and I'll just say this, I'm part of we, okay? But sometimes we make it so hard on ourselves of what does it mean to go tell everyone? How, how do I go share this story? Just see the shepherds. It doesn't say the shepherds came and saw Jesus and then they took a six-week course on how to share with everyone their faith. It didn't say that they came and saw Jesus and then went to seminary and learned more about it. It didn't say any of that. It said they went and they saw that God gave them a word and they walked on this journey. God was true to what he said. And when God was true to what he said, we had no other response than that we've got to tell people about this. You've got to know what God is doing. And that same thing is true for you and for me. We can go and tell everyone. It was a spontaneous response being able to tell everyone that God is who he says he is, that peace has come to earth and that you can know him, and that Jesus, that we get the advantage of being on this part of the timeline where he has already risen from the grave and he's overcome sin and death. We get to tell people he's overcome sin and death. He's done it in my life and he can do it in yours if you will follow him. We get to tell everyone about that. We don't have to complicate it. We just need to go. And, and, and we'll see even later what it says about the shepherds is you know what they did? They didn't become missionaries to Africa. They, they didn't start doing it. They went back to shepherding and told everyone they knew about what God said. So do you know what we need? We need pastors, we need missionaries, we need teachers. But we need doctors and lawyers and garbage men and commissions and all kinds. I can't even think of jobs right now. Bankers and sweepers and everything else to just go to work and tell people what God has done in your life. That's what we need. Because God has uniquely positioned you to be in the place that you need to be to go and tell everyone that he's put in your path of what he's done.
And sometimes it is the international time where we give to, it's the time where we give to international missions. And I have a soft spot in my heart for missionaries. I've got students who I helped raise up in my youth group who are now serving overseas in these places. I love missionaries and I love what they do. But sometimes we hold missionaries up here and we think that what we do by going back to work and telling other people about Jesus is so different and it's not. God sometimes just calls some people out to to give them a different way to do that, but he calls you and I out in the same way just to go back to work and tell people the great things that he has done so that you can know him. These shepherds, what they do? They went back to shepherding, and they told people the great things that they had done, and what it says is everyone that they told about it were just amazed at what was happening. Here's the other thing that it doesn't say. It doesn't say everyone they told about it joined a church and gave their life to Christ and started. It just says that they told people. They just told people. They couldn't help but tell people the great things that God has done. And as I said, Jesus, as he grew up, the last time that he was with his disciples together before he ascended into heaven, these are the words he shared, Matthew 28. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, can I just have a little commercial here for just a second? Calendar year. have an easier time in all of the calendar year to take a step to invite someone to church than at Christmas. You look around us, what's going on? And we have celebrating Christmas, so it's kind of a common thing that they know what's going on. And we have invite cards even out, and take all of them. These, these are worthless to us in a couple of weeks. So we print celebrate uh, Christmas. We're doing a Christmas Eve service. A tool to go up to a neighbor or a friend and say, hey, if you don't have a place to celebrate uh, Christmas, we're doing a Christmas Eve service at our church, and you can hand it to them. And, and that's all there is to it. You're never going to have an easier opportunity to invite someone to come and hear the story that peace has come to earth and that they can know and follow him. It doesn't get any easier. So I would encourage you to take one of these. And even the sermon, this is free. They didn't even get it at 8.30. You're getting bonus material at 11 o'clock, okay? Can I just tell you something? All of us want the church to do billboards and Facebook and stuff like that, but I'm going to tell you something. The number one best way to get people to get excited about church and get plugged in, and it will always be, and it will never change, is for somebody here to invite somebody else. We can plaster all the billboards we want. We can take out every ad and every paper we want. And, every, and you know what that is? It's noise in this world. Because we get it all the time. We get it when we don't want it. Shows up on my phone all the time. We can robocall everybody we want to in Weatherford, Texas, and environment. It's not going to mean a thing. But if you go to your next door neighbor and say, hey, I care about you enough to, to invite you to church, chances are a thousand times more that they're going to respond to that than anything that we could do marketing would ever do. Because people want to know that people care about them. So my one more bonus point on that, don't just invite them to church. Invite them to be a part of your life. Let them see that God is who he says he is through what he's doing in your life. And it might help them take some steps a little closer so that they can see it for themselves as well. So I would just encourage you to do what the shepherds did. Go tell everyone. You've got to know that what God told us in the field came true in the manger. Now I've got to tell you about that. And you have the same story in your life as a follower of Christ. 
is this pattern that God gives us a word and then we go on this journey and then God proves himself true. And you get to tell people a testimony from the word to the truth of what that journey looked like. And that happens over and over. For some of you, you have enough years under your belt that you can share stories much like Mary's, that it took 30 years for things to come to all its fruition of what God told me was gonna happen. And some of us are like, man, God told me this on Monday and it happened on Tuesday and that's great. But we need to understand that that pattern is true and we need to be like the shepherds. When God gives us a word, we need to go see for ourselves. We need to put it into action and trust him. And then when that word comes true, we've got to go tell everyone what God is doing and has done. And there's one other little bonus thing that happens in this. Rejoice. Smile. Have fun. Good news has come to the earth. God has sent his son, Jesus Christ. It says in Luke 2.20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard. It only took them 11 verses to go from fear to joy. We see the story in that amount of time that when God shows up, they're terrified, but then when they go and see that God is at work, then they walk away rejoicing and smiling and praising the Lord about it with a happy heart, with fullness and rejoicing and smiling and praising the Lord of all the things that were happening. And so we have an opportunity to me, the greatest gift. God has given us the greatest gift, his son, Jesus Christ. It's why we celebrate at Christmas. It's why we sing the songs. It's why we tell the story. And God is at work, and you know it, and I know it, more than just at Christmas. But it has come to earth, and you can know. We have such an opportunity to share the great news that peace has come to earth, and you can know him, and you can follow him if you will choose to do so. So will you be like a shepherd today? Others, the joy of knowing and following him.